This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Hey everybody, Casey here, the host of the Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast, and I just wanted to pop in and let you know that this podcast is partly supported by financial contributions from my listeners. You can head over to patreon.com slash joyfulcourage, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash joyfulcourage, and pick a level of contributing that works for you and your budget. It's a great way to give back to the show and to help me cover the costs of showing up each week and offering these valuable conversations for you and supporting you and all of us on our parenting journey. Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast, episode 67. everybody. I am so glad that you are back and you are taking time to listen to my show this week. I'm so excited for the conversation. So if you are a member of the Live and Love with Joyful Courage Facebook group, then you probably remember a few weeks back, I did a call out to hear questions about siblings and sibling drama and sibling challenges. And I had a bunch of listeners speak into or write in about the challenges that they have with raising their kids around the sibling stuff. And so I took those questions and I contacted my friend, Nicole Schwartz from Imperfect Parenting. And I said, hey, do you want to come on the podcast? And I figured we could just have this back and forth conversation about the questions and support that parents are showing up with. And she said yes, which is awesome. And uh, yeah, so now here's the show. I'm so excited. I hope that you are entertained. I hope that you are inspired. And I hope that there are plenty of takeaways for you in the next hour. Um, Nicole is from Imperfect Families. She is a parent coach and a marriage, marriage and family therapist and just somebody that I really dig. She's been on the podcast a couple different times, and I am thrilled, I'm really excited that she said yes to coming on because, you know, the sibling thing, it's real, right? It's real. And, and I, you know, I have a lot of siblings. I'm part of a big old blended family. And for the most part, I have, I have really good relationships with my siblings now as adults. I was kind of a nightmare sister growing up. Yeah, I was not very nice to my siblings, and it helps me to remember that even though it was tough when we were kids, what we have now, you know, my siblings are some of my very favorite people in the world. So keeping in mind that if you come from an um, experience of having a tough sibling relationship, or even as adults, if you're feeling like, gosh, I don't have a good relationship with my siblings, and it's really important to me that my kids you know, maintain relationship, just notice when it's your own stuff getting in the way, okay? Notice that because sometimes we get all caught up in our own stuff and we respond to situations from that place and it's not always helpful. So I just wanted to put that out there at the very beginning. Um, 
yeah, siblings. So anyway, <laughs> enjoy the show. Please listen all the way till the end. I'm going to tell you a little bit about a really fun program that I have starting December 1st. And uh, details will be at the end. Okay, big love. Let's talk to Nicole. I have Nicole Schwartz from Imperfect Families on. You have probably listened in on our conversations in previous podcasts. I love to have Nicole on the show. And just to remind you, Nicole is an imperfect mom to three girls. (laughs) She's a parent coach and child and family therapist, passionate about helping parents use positive, respectful strategies with their kids. She talks a lot about knowing your triggers, taking deep breaths, and allowing for do-overs because we're all in it together. And listeners, I'm sure if you follow me on social media, you see that I love posting articles from Nicole because I really appreciate her language and her ability to really meet us where we're at and just say that exactly what we need to hear and apply in our parenting. So welcome back to the show, Nicole. Hi, thanks for having me. Yay. So like I mentioned, we are doing things a little bit different this time. I put a call out a few weeks ago to my community um, group page, Live in Love with Joyful Courage. And I just said, I'm thinking about sibling conflict. What are your specific questions? And, you know, shockingly enough... A few people had some (laughs) things to say about sibling conflict, and I thought, I'm going to get all these questions, and then I'm going to invite another parent educator on so that we can just puzzle them out in real time. And, you know, before I hit record with Nicole, I was saying, you know, I think it's really valuable for parents to recognize that the parent, you know, quote, experts or educators don't necessarily hold all the knowledge and all the wisdom, and actually there's quite a bit of wisdom that lives inside of all of us. So my hope with this is that you all listening in get to kind of recognize we're dealing, you know, we're looking at these things and we're thinking, hmm, yeah, wow, what would be helpful? And I'm hoping that that's going to come out in conversation. So sibling conflict, when you think of sibling conflict, what comes up for you, Nicole? Stress. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think a sense of emergency and like, I got to get in there. I got to solve the problem. I got to um, get everything back to calm again, kind of. Um, yeah, it's just overwhelming the senses with screaming and yelling and hurting and lots, right. of, lots of different things. I've been known, yeah, I've, I've been known to say to my kids, you know, I'm going to stand up for, for you when somebody is hurtful and even if it's your sibling. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we teach positive discipline, when we teach about sibling conflict – We start by brainstorming all of the things that we learned as children from our siblings. Hmm. And it's always a hilarious list, right? Because, (laughs) you know, there's there's one end which is like, you know, how to lie, cheat, and steal. Uh And then on the other end, you know, it's how to how to share, how to cooperate, how to collaborate, how to compromise, you know. Mm -hmm. And when we take a look, step back and take a look at that list, there's really important relationship skills that happen within the context of the sibling relationship. Mm-hmm. And um, and then we move into the idea that a lot of sibling conflict has more to do with getting the parent involved mm, yep. than actually, you know, conflict like, between kids, right? right? Which is hard, right. you know, it's hard to believe that. But, but it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, <laughs> it does. And I remember learning about this and going to my kids and saying, I'm so sorry that I have been solving all of your problems for you Mm. um, and not giving you guys a chance to practice. And you're going to notice that I'm going to wait a little bit. I'm not going to jump into your problems anymore. And I'm just going to really trust that you have skills um, for Mm. solving. But of course, I have to trust, like, you know, just because we say I trust that you have skills, like, Mm -hmm. you have to also have, you know, spent some time coaching and training. Right. And that as well. Mm hmm. What do you know? And you were just saying like, no, it's not a lot. We were just talking about our own, how sibling (laughs) conflict shows up in our house. Right. And what are you noticing? Not a lot? 
Um, no, it, it comes in waves. I think, I think, (laughs) um, it's okay. (laughs) Right now I have a toddler and that just adds a whole new level of, you know, she wants to be involved and she wants to be playing, but she's too young to play what my older kids are playing. And, um, yeah. And just those social skills and navigating all that is not fun for the older two. So we got a lot of new, new learning going on here. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And I find, so mine are, um, almost 14 and Ian just turned 11. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, they get along pretty well. We definitely have flare ups. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody, you know, often the kids pretty common for them not to want to take any responsibility for sure. what happens amongst the two of them. And that's just an area that they get to practice. <laughs> nice. But when we talked about that, you know, I think that also it, it, it um, has to do a lot with when your parenting style is focused on relationship and looking mm-hmm. for solutions and problem solving. Right. You know, one of the benefits to that is sibling conflict can, you know, for the most part stays at a dull roar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say, I, yeah. And that's a good, that's a good thing. So it is not that it goes away completely and I don't want anyone to think that, but yeah, no. um, Yeah. So let's take a look at what the um, community. So the first one that came up, she, this mama says, I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old and a 16 month old who will be who will be in on it before long. I struggle mm-hmm. with them fighting. I don't know when to step in. And when I do step in, I have a hard time just being the moderator because I just really want it to stop. I would like mm-hmm. some examples of things to say to help them through their issues. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. See that sense of urgency, <laughs> like you need to step in and <laughs> stop it. But yeah, right? Well, for one thing is if it's a safety issue, step in and stop it, right? Sure. I don't mm-hmm. think anybody would say like, oh, let them work it out when, Punching you know. Punching each other. Yeah, when they're physically hurting each other. No. <laughs> Please. Please don't do that. Right. Please don't hear that in our <laughs> right. conversation. And 5, 3, and 16 months. I mean, those are some little, yeah. little kids. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's part of – that's probably where I would start. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I know you want to step – I it wanted to go away like she's asking or she, the person is asking for things to say. Mm-hmm. But let's just start with the fact that your kids are really young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and don't have a lot of skills yet. Yeah. Right. So. And when kids are under five, you know – to to step up out of the room or to walk away and assume that they're everything's going to be, you know, right. cool, calm, and collect <laughs> in that space is right. is inappropriate as well. Yeah, yeah, right. It's coming, Mama. It's coming. But yeah, not quite yet. <laughs> you won't be in the weeds forever. Right. <laughs> um. So I think that a lot of playing with them, like I'm thinking about, mm-hmm. I did a show with um, Laura Markham, and she talks mm-hmm. about this floor time. I mean, Mom, get in right. there. Right. Be playing with them and hope that there's conflict while you're sitting there so that you can coach them mm-hmm. and right. um, and say what you see. That Sandy, Sandy Blackard was on the podcast too and she talks about this. Say what you see like, oh, you really want to play with that toy and mm-hmm. your sister's playing with it right now. What could you say to let her know that you want to turn when she's done, mm-hmm. right? And just being really elementary. I mean that's what comes up for me right mm-hmm. now is just – Oh, I see what's happening. Kind of putting the looking at the conflict from the bird's eye view and putting it into really simple language. Right. I see two kids that want the same cookie. Or I see three kids who all want to watch different shows. Right, right. Because I think one of the things for many parents, not me, of course, no, I'm just kidding, totally me, (laughs) is that you put like a lot of it on one child. So like, let's say it's the oldest. Like for me, I always had high expectations for my oldest. And I think, you know, when there was a conflict, I would say, come on, oldest, you know, Mm -hmm. let you be an example or you. And I was like, whoa, this is not even what's happening. Like, I love that about being on the floor and being with them because then um, you have a chance to kind of see it unfolding and maybe it is one kid or another, but 
that's not the point. Mm -hmm. You're not trying to say, oh, it was you or it was you doing that observing, what do they call it? Like sports casting kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Like here's what's going on. Um, I think would also be helpful in keeping us from pointing the finger unnecessarily. Yeah, definitely. Maybe at one kid or another. And I think also just knowing that with a five, a three and a 16 month old, there's going to be sibling conflict. Yeah. Right. There's going to be sibling conflict. So looking out in the world, whether it's books that you're reading or experiences that you have and saying like, oh man, did you see that? Or did you, you know, in the story, Mm -hmm. the, the, the characters really, really did a good job of solving that problem. I bet you could use that strategy when, Right. Mm -hmm. right. Or gosh, you know what? I remember yesterday when the same thing came up and you, you two came up with a really good solution. Do you remember what that solution was? Yeah, I and just that. kind of reminding the kids of their past success and and yeah. showing lots of examples and lots of modeling. Yeah, yeah, because I am often surprised. Even little kids, young ones, can come up with some really creative solutions to things. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we. I think we have to step back, step back a little bit and not assume that they know that there are creative solutions that can be right. offered. You know. Um, but when we start that conversation, then they can start saying like, "Oh yeah, we did use a timer to." you know, decide how long we got the toy or, yeah. Um, and they remember those sorts of things when it works. They do. So. Yeah. And even making a, some kind of visual with a bunch of different tools, right? Like, Oh, go look at your solution wheel or go look yeah. at your solution poster and see if there's something there that would help you right now. Right. But not right. assuming, not assuming that just cause you've made something like that, that they're going to be like, Oh, I got to go look at my solution <laughs> wheel. Right. Because they're flooded with emotion based on whatever's right injustice they are perceiving and right so we've got to help them and this moves right into the next parent question which is I have twin five-year-olds oh thank god I mean I just love moms of twins <laughs> <laughs> wow um I have twin five-year-olds and a six-year-old with everyone okay. so close in age there's so much bickering about he got mm-hmm. she got I want I would love some ways to de-escalate everyone when tempers are blazing so I think this speaks into the first question as well Mm-hmm. Right? No problem solving, no perfect language. Nothing happens when everybody's flipped out. Right. The first right. thing is to de escalate. Mm-hmm. And you've written right. a lot about this. I have, yeah. Um, because I think we do a lot at the heat of the moment. Yeah. And <laughs> then we get mad, we, right? Then we right. get madder that nobody's going along with our <laughs> with the wonderful ideas. Right. I know. <laughs> Why are you not listening to my great solutions? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And this has really been something that I've been working on with my kids too. Um, I have an eight and six year old along with the two year old. And um, so, yeah, just getting them to see like what seems like a huge emergency to them. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think what happened recently and I can't, but is really not that big, but the emotions are so big at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've done a lot of like, whoa, 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 back it up, like mm-hmm. sitting down on the floor or um, bringing people closer works really well with my kids. Not every kid is going to go for that though. Mm-hmm. Um, some need a little bit of space, but um, it's been really, really good to see what happens once we all calm down and we can look at the situation um, more clearly. Mm-hmm. It's often not as big as they, right. it appears. Right. So, well, and I have a video, um, on my website that's about teaching about the brain, the Dan Siegel oh, yeah. brain in the palm. Right. And that's, I think that that is so, that becomes so helpful, not in the moment, right? right. It's not about teaching it in the moment, but recognizing, um, that, okay, this mom is sharing a situation she has with her kids that happens regularly, which to mm-hmm. me, it's like, yay, I love the things that happen regularly because right. then it's like, oh, well, let's, let's problem solve that. Like, yep. you know, right. it's going to happen again, show up yep. to it differently. Mm-hmm. So we teach, we've taught the brain, you know, bits about the brain. So the kids know when you're triggered, when you're angry, upset, sad, embarrassed, afraid, you don't have access. We call it the thinking cap, right? They don't mm-hmm. have access to that. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God. Spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well-being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt 
in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first First box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. Hey friends, as a podcast listener myself, I always get so excited to share when I find a new show that I think is super useful. So today I want to tell you about Understood Explains. This is a podcast that tackles one important topic per season. And this season is all about navigating individualized education plans and is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. Getting the support our kids need in school can feel tricky, and we aren't always sure what it is that they need. When I listened to the episode titled, Does My Child Need an IEP? It offered up so much useful information that I could really see supporting parents who are in this consideration. The host is so knowledgeable and really breaks down the content in a way that helps listener go from completely overwhelmed to actually starting to feel empowered. Other episodes in the series highlight the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, as well as a whole episode that busts common myths about special education. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Understood Explains. So check it out. You won't be sorry. prefrontal cortex, which is, by the way, totally in development in childhood. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, they're not going to say, they're not going to be able to tap into, oh, I wonder how that other person feels, or I should be feeling remorse, or I do need to come up with a solution. All they're tapped into is how they're feeling. Mm -hmm. And there's a hand signal that goes along with that. And it's just like, well, if you watch the video, it's joyfulcourage.com slash teachbrain. And I'll put a link in the show notes. But it's Mm -hmm. really helpful to be able to use the hand signal when your kids are in it and you get Mm -hmm. to say, everybody's flipped. Right. We all need to come here before we can problem solve. And that doesn't mean that they're like, oh, thanks, mom. Thanks for pointing out (laughs) that we're all dysregulated. (laughs) I mean, last night my son was struggling through his math homework and he was, and he, you know, and last night was Halloween and he was like, I'm not going to do it. I was freaking out. And I was like, okay, well, you're flipped, and once you get calm, we can look for some solutions. And he was right. like, just fine. Let's just do it. I'm like, well, <laughs> all signs are indicating that you are not ready, and I love right. you. And so, you know, it's a practice. It's a practice. Right, right. And, go ahead. Sorry. I just – I was going to go back to the question. I forgot what – I was going to ask for clarification on something in the question. Well, de-escalating. Okay? De-escalating when temper, right. tempers are blazing. About bickering okay. and he got, she got, I want, right. which I think oh, we that's all deal with that too. Right, right. I think that's the other thing that I would put in to this. So de- de-escalating for sure. And then um, really empathizing would probably be helpful here too. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't really agree and you feel like um, it's ridiculous what they're fighting about, I think there maybe is a sense of injustice there that someone did get something, even if you're like, oh my gosh, it was just a bigger piece of cake or something. Yeah, Just um, a bigger piece of cake. Are you kidding like, me? You got to like get the ruler out and make by sure. a millimeter, right. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You're weighing them on the scale or whatever. But um, I think joining them is really helpful too in helping that de-escalation process. So before you force the, 
not force it, but like encourage empathy amongst the group or yeah. even de-escalation. Sometimes just meeting them in that injustice or in that pain yeah. um, can help them move forward. Because otherwise they're like, no, you don't get it, mom. Or, right. You, know, you don't. Right. Connect understand. before correct, right? So it right. can sound like you are really upset that your brother got that and you didn't. Yeah. Right. And it's Even not though. condoning behavior. It's not, mm-hmm. it's just simply saying, I see you and the way you feel is valid for you. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause then they can move forward, but until then it might, they might get stuck right in the whatever it is. And it could, it could, they could respond with, yeah, I am mad. Yeah. You're mad. Sure. And you just get to be this like broken record reflecting mm-hmm. like, yeah, you're really mad, mm-hmm. you know? And as right. you see them kind of soften, mm-hmm. You can redirect, right? Give some choices. Right. right. Ask right. some questions. Yep. But making sure that they're back to that place. And you can tell by their body. I mean, there's mm-hmm. lots of signals that they give if they're ready right. to move on, right? <laughs> yeah. And like your son, I mean, it's just, yeah. Anytime they're he handled like, it. I'm ready. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> That's not. so annoying like... <laughs> to him too. Sometimes I'm like, you guys – you're both really flipped right now. And they're like, mom, you need to leave. (laughs) Okay. Okay. You have tools. I know that you can use them. Right. Right. And maybe for this family too, I mean, get, you know, some tools would be a great idea. Yeah. It's going to come up and it sounds like it comes up a lot. Yeah. So what do you do when you assume that your sister has the bigger piece of cake or what do you do when, um, you know, it seems like, so-and-so gets to always watch their show or right. whatever. Um, yeah. But that's not in the heat of the moment. That would be like separate. Yeah. That'd be like a later or earlier, yep. you know, being proactive. Like this is what right. I'm noticing. This right. This is what I'm noticing, you guys. I'm noticing mm-hmm. that it's really difficult when one of you gets something. And, and you know, and, and gathering some information there too. Like how does mm-hmm. it feel? What are you noticing about mm-hmm. yourself? And then from that place, like how are we going to solve this? Because it's going to come up again. Right. There's right. three of you. There's yeah. not always going to be three equal portions or three mm-hmm. equal things. And that's, you know, just part, we get what we need. You know, right. it's not about everything being equal. It's about everybody getting what they need. Right. Right. Yeah. I was just talking with someone about that recently because we were talking about if like each one got an injury, mm-hmm. you know, like one bumped their head, one scraped their elbow, one stubbed their toe or whatever. But you said, I'm only giving band-aids. <laughs> You know, only, only giving band-aids on your knee, you know, like the forehead kid would be like, what about my ice pack? You right, know? right. So it's like just helping them kind of see. Oh, I like that metaphor too. That um, people get what they need and it's not always the same because you don't always need the same thing. Mm-hmm. But that's a hard lesson for kids to learn. Yeah. So. And they learn it over time, listeners. Yes. Remembering right. that nothing – I don't think there's – I mean, I'd be charging big money for this podcast if I had some, <laughs> like, the perfect thing to say to eliminate right. all sibling conflict. <laughs> that does not exist. No. <laughs> because we're not robots. We're right. emotional people. beings. Mm-hmm. And living in close quarters with other small people who have limited yeah. skills, it gets messy. Right. It does. So here's another mom's. And this, again, I think all of these are going to kind of bleed into each other. So Mm -hmm. my children are 10, 8, and 5. Frequently what happens is someone hurts their sibling accidentally. And then then the hurt sibling retaliates and intentionally Mm -hmm. hurts back as I'm in Mm -hmm. the process of responding. I never know who to go to first. Both are hurt. Also, when someone Mm -hmm. verbally lashes out and the hurt sibling physically responds, we struggle. We mm. see why you wanted to hit, but hitting's not okay. Neither is bullying with words. Both are wrong. So we end up unintentionally blaming and shaming the kids. Mm-hmm. I think That's... this is really alive for a lot of us, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I right. am not a big fan of using the, ter- the phrase bullying when mm. we're talking about siblings. Yeah, right. It's Well, I don't think it's helpful for yeah. one thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a lot going on there. I that word has a lot of baggage. Yeah, totally, <laughs> a lot is. of baggage. <laughs> right. right. And you know the nice way speech. that we respond. Have you read um, "Siblings Without Rivalry"? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So great book, and mm-hmm. by Adele Faber and Elaine Maslish. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna assume that I pronounced those names correctly. <laughs> um, but they talk about you know we unintentionally encourage the victim bully 
-hmm. mentality in our kids based on how we are responding. And when you said Mm -hmm. the expectations we have of our older kids, Mm -hmm. I think that that really works against us. Oh, for sure. And because they're so much, quote, bigger. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. but not necessarily – you know, so beyond, you know, in like amazingly skilled, you know, right. in this situation, the daughter is 10, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like, yeah, 10 is a lot bigger than five, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's a lot older. She looks a lot different. And right. 10, you're still really immersed in the development of skills, especially mm-hmm. navigating emotions and right. triggers and reactions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And this, I think, is when it, well, they're all hard, so I'm not going to rank them. But I think this, I I think when we add the physical into sibling fights, it does something to us as parents. Mm -hmm. It kind of takes it to another level, at least with with myself Mm -hmm. and with other parents I talk to. I mean, you don't want to see your kids be physically violent with their other, with your other kids. I mean, I mean, that, that's hard stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, I just put that. Well, and that, yeah, and that's totally that place where we completely project into, you know, serial killer. Right. Today, hitting his sister. Tomorrow, serial killer. Right. So check yourself, parents. Super helpful. Yeah. (laughs) Rain it in. Right. Hitting, kicking, biting. These are all just impulse control limitations, right? right? Right. And yeah flood of emotion. I love the picture yeah. in, um, where is it? In the whole brain child, there's a mm-hmm. great little cartoon of a girl sitting at a table with this really mad face on mm-hmm. and this huge wave behind her. Sure. Right. Right. A huge wave. Right. And it's like, a, it's like sitting on the beach and having a wave come and literally just pull you out to sea. And the sea mm-hmm. is the sea of <laughs> dysregulation. Right. Yeah. And it makes perfect sense that when we're hurt, we hurt. That's what hurt people do. Yep. So having, again, going back to having conversations, practicing, Mm -hmm. I'm a big promoter of practice and play. So, hey, Mm -hmm. I'm noticing you guys, I'm noticing this happening with you guys and it doesn't seem like it's very helpful for anybody. It doesn't solve problems. People feel Mm -hmm. worse. I get grumpy and mad and angry and I don't like how I act. So let's Mm -hmm. brainstorm some ideas about, you know, what we can do next time and let's role play it. And yeah. Yeah. Proactive is so powerful. Right. And it's, it, it doesn't seem like much. I think people want like more solutions or like bigger things, but kids learn through play. Mm I mean that, so it, it definitely works. Yeah. Um, It's helpful. It is. It is. And I think giving kids knowledge. So going back to what you were talking about, flipping your lid or talking about the brain or learning ways to um, calm yourself down. um, I think the more um, kind of information we can give kids about that big, scary, a feeling Mm -hmm. time, emotion time or whatever, the more um, empowered they can be. So like when you talk to kids about um, how their brain works or whatever, and you use that language, it's not as shaming and it's not as, um, I'm a horrible kid or look at what I did again. I hit my sister. Oh my gosh. You know, like, Oh, I'm a horrible person. You can say, wow, your brain was really flipped or you were really um, feeling a big mad feeling there. And it's not so much about um, how dare you hit your sister or the internal dialogue that says that either. Um, It makes it just part of like the family communication, which is freeing, I think. Yeah, and it's, it's, you know, especially when we as the parents can say, whoa, my lid is flipped. Yeah. Or I'll show, like, the half flip, and I'll be like, so I'm going to walk away because I don't want to <laughs> be mean there. to you. Right. And chances are if I maintain, you know, stay in this room, I might get a little mean. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, and the kids are like, okay, right. mom. Yeah. You know, but I think that it's important, right. you know, I think that we do a disservice to pretend that, you know, self-regulation is something that everybody masters at any point, you know? Or is perfect 100%. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right. exactly. So just yeah. keeping it, making it the languaging alive, mm-hmm. right? So whether it's kids feeling the injustice of not having things shared equally or, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. little ones having a hard time with fighting or these older kids that this um, third person mentioned about 
the intentional hurt back when they feel hurt. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's just they're all opportunities to say, yeah, wow, isn't mm-hmm. that interesting that you're feeling like right. that? Right. You know, let's talk about that. Let's yeah. let's whittle this down to what's actually happening. And then this is going to happen again. This is my favorite part. This is going to happen again. You are going to feel this way again. Mm-hmm. Right. So what are some alternatives that you can mm-hmm. practice next time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not when everybody's lid is flipped, but right. <laughs> another time. Right. right. And I think it is hard. And I, I am, I mean, like if you can get yourself out of the, um, I call it the like alarm going off, like mm-hmm. emergency, emergency. And you can really do that going back to like just making observations about what you see or, um, mm-hmm. and then kind of talking them down that road like she was asking who who do you go to first who do you right you know comfort or whatever um I think it can be done together if everyone is safe and in the same room I mean I think you can make observations and be empathetic to both sides because you have that family language already set in place about um you know lids being flipped or whatever or big emotions or um it's just a great place to start so I don't know if you have to worry about who you go to first. Mm-hmm. You could alternate, I guess, even. But, well, and I um, think notice, too. Like, like right. pay attention. Who do you typically go to first? Who right. do you want to go to first? Because we're not yeah. necessarily wanting to go and comfort the hurter. Right. Right? Typically, right. we want to go and comfort whoever's been hurt. And hurt kids hurt. So that yeah. other right. child, the one that is the lashing out child, is having a problem. Mm-hmm. And so – you know, play with, play with approaching that child first. Mm-hmm. Wow, you must have been feeling really overwhelmed. Right. Right. And now let's look at our, yeah, right. That would be great. And then now, wow, and look at your brother. Looks like mm-hmm. they're, you know, feeling pretty sad. I'm noticing some tears and, you know, and talking about like what you see. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and if it's appropriate, what might be, how can we help your brother? Should we go get him an mm-hmm. ice pack? Should mm-hmm. we go get him a, his favorite blankie? Like what might be helpful. Right, right. Yeah. Helping them develop empathy, right? Helping them tap into that ability to say, oh, yeah, I did just hurt someone and get out of there like, well, if they wouldn't have just blah, 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 you know. There's always a reason why we had to whack them. Right. 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 And that's just another great place to like reframe that with empathy. So like, yeah, I can tell that you were really upset or you were yeah. really overwhelmed or um, right. that seemed real important at the time. Yeah. And don't Whatever. be afraid to say, and it's not okay to hit. Right. Oh yeah. Right. I mean, Good putting point. that in there, it's not mm-hmm. okay to hit. I love you so much. I think that this mm-hmm. shows up a lot. Um, I wonder if any of my people, um, yeah, well, here's one, um, <laughs> two and a half year old and a nine month old. Although Big Brother is okay with his little sister, he doesn't like sharing with her. Mm -hmm. Grabs stuff away from her all the time and won't give any of his stuff to her. He also hits Mm -hmm. her if I'm nursing her and really upset with me, which which fortunately isn't often, but it happens. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a really interesting dynamic that happens when you introduce a new baby to a family. Mm-hmm. And that two and a half year old who now looks like a giant, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, for real. And is ex- yeah. And and that two and a half year old, so it's a brother, right? Yeah. He all his whole world has shifted because right. of this little baby. Right. Right. And it makes perfect sense that the two and a half year old would be like, get rid of the baby. Right. I don't want to be around this baby. I don't want to give my stuff to this baby. Right. She wrecked everything. <laughs> right. I know. Right. I think people are scared to go there with their kids because they feel like it's validating something or like it, I don't know, says something about you as a parent. But it, and in so many words and in, in a, you know, an age appropriate way, it's not always easy having a little sister around, sure. you know, is could be really freeing for that kid. Like, oh, wow, mom. OK, you get it. You get that. Yeah. It's not easy. Yeah, I have um, to spend a lot of time with the baby, don't I? Right. Like right. my lap is really crowded now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And let them unload and let them say like, yeah, I hate my sister. Mm-hmm. And brace right. yourself because it will be hard to hear. Right. But you can say, yeah, wow, yeah, I bet it is hard. Yeah. And we talk a lot about – and kids, little, little kids – you can't hold two things at the same time necessarily, but you can love your sister and you can not like her all the time, mm-hmm. or you can love playing with her and you can not want her to touch your stuff sometimes. I mean, mm-hmm. so those things can both be true, but 
Yeah. You have to be the one introducing that probably. Right. This age. And I know – I remember when my kids were really little and we'd have like play dates and, mm-hmm. um, you know, it'd be like, well, I don't want to share my stuff. It's uh-huh. like, okay, well, anything you do not want to have out, anything uh-huh. you're not okay with your friend playing with, put you know, it put it away. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, You are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking for this mama, you know, just giving the two-and-a-half-year-old the power to say, these these are my special toys, and I'm yep. going to put them on this special shelf, mm-hmm. and I yep. get to have power over these. And then these toys over here, I'm okay with my little sister playing mm-hmm. with. And maybe tomorrow I won't be, and I'll put them on my special shelf. Right. Or maybe the next day I'll take something off the special shelf, and I'll share it with my share sister. Yeah. But yep. I think at that age – and with that dynamic, there's a lot that that two-and-a-half-year-old feels like he cannot influence. Right. And so yep. giving him the opportunity to have some shared power, shared control, influence, mm-hmm. and making sure you're spending quality time without the baby, with that just little guy. Right. Oh, my gosh. Right. I was going to say that. That's probably one thing that we haven't hit on yet. Right. That can really decrease sibling rivalry in your home. Um is really taking that time to really get to know your kids, um, spending that quality one-on-one time yeah. with each of them, not yeah. just the ones you like spending time with. Because <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. Well, and I think that the younger and the younger they are, the more often it should be. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be hours. No, please, no. <laughs> I mean, you just can't. People tell me that all the time, and I just say, you know, that you can't live with that kind of stress. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. But, I, but you're right. Back you know, it off connection mm-hmm. when they feel more like a good solid connection with mom and dad, mom mm-hmm. or dad, the sibling stuff is going to decrease. Because they, they don't feel as like they need to compete for your mm-hmm. attention. Mm-hmm. They know that you're going to give it to them because they, you, you're because like you in do. tune with what they need. Right. right. It's not contingent on them getting along or doing right. something. It's just because they are in your family. Um, so yeah, some of that competition goes away. Right. And it's not, you know, and, and notice too, when you want to just use the words and say, you know, I love you and your brother the same, or you know how much I love you. And it's like, okay, yes. And what right. are your actions saying? Because really right. they aren't, 
it's not so much your words, but your actions. So, you know, even if it sounds like, remember yesterday, it was so much fun when we played Candyland. Mm-hmm. What game should we play today? Will you go get it set up while I'm nursing the baby so that when she goes to sleep, we can play a new game, mm-hmm. right? So it also can be a tool for redirection Sure. when you have that special time mapped out and uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or if you, I, I think the other thing is when your kids start acting out, like if you notice one, maybe picking on someone more than others or mm-hmm. something, maybe that's a signal that they need a little bit extra time or a little bit of intentionally more time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, because they're feeling something about their siblings or they're real, you know, like you're driving them to hockey practice, but you're not taking them anywhere, even right. though it's nowhere fun. But um, to them, it seems uneven. So it's okay to kind of, be in tune to that and give them what they need. Yeah. Well, and I notice, and I've mentioned this before, I think on the show Mm -hmm. that when I am in the muck with one of my kids, whether Mm -hmm. it's the, you know, just over the top teen angst with my daughter or the power struggles with my son, what I notice is, or when I can step out of it and look into it and ask myself, what has one-on-one time looked like with this child? Mm-hmm. More often than not, the response is, oh, we haven't had any special time lately. Right. So maybe right. I just need to plan a day with this kid. Mm-hmm. And that does so much more to get us back on track, right. you know, than anything else. It's right. really powerful. And like yep. you said, you know, it's like, but wait, I just want to know what to say. And sorry. Right. Sorry. Yeah, right. <laughs> we don't have that answer. I know. Good luck. I'm just kidding. Yeah. yeah. Let us know how it goes. Right. Call us in the morning. <laughs> but oh. so many of the people that chimed in have really, well, not all of them now that I'm looking down the line, but have really small kids. And, mm-hmm. you know, just know, you know, if you are a mom or a dad of kids under five, like you are just a broken record. Mm-hmm. You've got to be really present and just trust that the practicing that they're doing, which might not look like practicing, it might look Mm -hmm. like they never listen. Mm -hmm. It might look like they never want to follow directions, but really they are, there is a practice happening and it's maybe even it's more so for the parents that you're practicing Mm -hmm. your languaging, you're practicing, you know, staying calm, going from reaction to response. Mm -hmm. Like there's things that you're practicing in these early years when it's really intense that are going to, Oh, the God, they're going to play out so beautifully mm-hmm. once those kids move past five and get into those school age years. So, right, right. You're just in the weeds now. I know. I know. <laughs> and, right. And for, I think for people with older kids, it feels, it can feel like hopeless. Like, oh, we missed the opportunities. We missed the chance when they were younger to teach these skills. Um, and yeah, it may be a little bit harder now, but it doesn't mean that you can't work on your own language oh, and yeah. your own kind of interactions and how you step into the problem mm-hmm. um, and how you respond. So, and that sort of stuff can trickle down even to your older kids. So for sure, for sure, like the window doesn't is, close. And I recently right. said to a group that I'm leading online, um, you know, if we can shift our attachment from our kids' behavior to our own behavior, yeah. <laughs> Right? Because that's really the only thing we have influence, have control over right. is how we show up. Mm-hmm. So even if everybody around you is falling apart, but you are standing there in your center and feeling mm-hmm. calm and are connected and ready to move forward, that is a win. Mm-hmm. Because sure. meltdowns and backtalk and bedtime battles and all that stuff, that's just – that's just kids navigating <laughs> their world that, right. you know, that – and it's hard for them and that's all right. going to show up. You can't judge yourself, which is not, you know, I'm not saying like, oh, just lay on the couch and be super passive, right. but having an active practice of like, okay, I can weather this storm. Mm-hmm. I can be here for my kids. I can see my kids beyond their behavior. Right. Um, even as they need to have a 20 minute fall apart mm-hmm. at the grocery store. Right. Ooh. right. I, know. I do not miss those days. <laughs> Okay, here's another yeah. one of my one of my people. So, okay. Most of my kids, oh this is my friend Loretta. Hi Loretta. 14, <laughs> 13, 9, 7 and 2. Most of her kids' conflicts these days seem like it's because someone is always making sure that the other is doing the right thing. Oh yeah, we have that at our house too. <laughs> <laughs> Telling each other what type of stuff 
you know, they're doing wrong. And it, mm-hmm. and Loretta says it's spiteful. It's not like they're really concerned about the other getting mm-hmm. in trouble. It's more just kind of the bossiness. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of fun. <laughs> I know, right? Especially with five kids. I'm sure it's even more fun. Right. Right. It's interesting. I think, and I don't know your friend and I don't know what kind of situation is, but I think, um, again, we can kind of play with that language a little bit. And sometimes we do put like older kids in charge Mm -hmm. and we kind of expect more of them. But then when they start being in charge, we're like, whoa, whoa, we didn't really mean for you to be in charge all the time. Like, and it's kind of gives kind of a mixed message maybe Mm -hmm, to the mm -hmm, kids. mm -hmm. But I think it's another great opportunity to (laughs) rephrase or reframe or whatever. And um, because what they're doing, they care about at some level about equality or about people doing the right thing. So if you can start there um, and rephrasing your language from a positive spin might be helpful. Yeah. Um, Because instead of just saying, you're so bossy or why do you always have to boss people? And not that we would say that, but maybe we're thinking that in our heads. (sighs) Or maybe we'll say it. I know. (laughs) I know. Well, and I, you know, what comes up here too is when there's, you know, regardless of if you have two or you have five, mm-hmm. you know, I think that there, and I know, like I said, I, I have, this is my friend and I know mm-hmm. she also comes from a large family. So I'm going to invite her to remember that mm-hmm. and remember what it felt like to kind of jockey for position. Mm-hmm. Right. right. And there's a lot of creative ways I think that kids can feel that sense of connection and remember, they. this is what I say, too, that mm-hmm. I learned from my mentors. They long for connection and they will settle for attention. Mm-hmm. So if attention looks like, well, at least I can tell on you, at least then, you know, parents, mom or dad is, you know, <clears throat> I've become, you know, somewhat of a hero because I've said, oh, they're not doing the right thing. You know, they'll mm-hmm. settle for that. But really, I think that special time comes into play here, too. Yeah. And <clears throat> with five she gets to be really creative about what that can look like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the more secure they feel in their connection to mom and dad or mm-hmm. to the parents, whatever that looks like, um, mm-hmm. the more that the, you know, the less this will show up. Right. Right. Cause they won't need to come with mm-hmm. all these mm-hmm. different things. Um, I also right. love yeah. the response. Oh. I love the response too of, wow, it sounds like you have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I wrote a post recently about that, about changing kind of how we see tattling mm-hmm. um, and seeing it more as a cry for help rather than a, um, what we really normally think about it as just being tattling. Yeah. Um, and, and again, this is kind of going with the kind of rephrasing re- and seeing it like, okay, obviously you need help solving this problem. <laughs> And even if in your mind you're thinking, oh, my gosh, here we go again. But Mm -hmm. then you can work on some of that problem solving. So, okay, you came to me. Let's problem solve or let's figure out how you can whatever. So your sister is doing this. What can you do when you see someone, whatever, breaking the rules, so to speak, or whatever. But um, seeing it less as something that just needs to be ignored or stopped and Mm -hmm. turning it into a problem solving. How do you think you could handle this or what? Yeah. Um, and that leads me right into, there's another one, another question from another good friend of mine. Actually, I'm looking at a lot of these ladies I know pretty well on this list. Um, so we seem to be in a struggling stage when it comes to sharing kids, Mm. eight, six, and four trying to explain that when an object is desired by another, that there should be an allowance for the original child to have time to receive their turn without listening to crying or yelling over it. I love this. And I love this mom and I love these kids. I know these kids. And, you know, I think that um, like we forget that they have really good creative ideas. Mm -hmm. And if this is happening, like let's sit down this afternoon. And I know that this is a super artsy, craftsy family. Let's sit down and let's come up with some ideas around what strategies we can use when we have to wait our turn. Mm-hmm. What, or, or, you know, when it's art, when we want to, sh- when we don't want to share quite yet, like just really mm-hmm. tapping into the creative ideas and, and zipping it when you're like, uh, that is not helpful, you know, <laughs> and trusting that what they're coming up with is helpful for them and letting them right. like, Hey, let's try it for a week. 
Right. And see what happens. Yeah. Let's try. Let's try this for a week and see what happens. Sure. Sure. Um, Yeah. And I think with sharing, there are some like people think they're um, sneaky or I don't know what the word would be, but but they're actually good skills that make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Like um, I think um, Dr. Markham talks about having the long turn or having like an extended turn. Oh, a long turn. Um, I like that language. She, has a, she maybe has a better phrasing for some reason that's not coming to me, but I think that's great. Like if you could work that into your vocabulary and your family somehow, like let's say you, you get a new toy for your birthday, you might want a long term, like until the next day to play with it because you just got it. It's special to you. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of saying, well, share with your sisters or whatever, um, calling that long term might actually be appropriate because you just got it. It's okay to have a little more time with it. And then of course we can work on sharing it maybe in the future. Um, and like teaching kids to like share and barter and figure out, you know, you can have this truck and this truck, you know, like yeah. while I'm playing with this, like it seems, but these are skills that are fine. They are good to use in like when you're being appropriate with them, you know, with other kids or on the playground or whatever. Um, they just kids, you got to give them some opportunity to learn skills and strategies for sharing. Yeah. And I just, you mentioned Dr. Markham. And so I Mm -hmm. just, I have her book right here, Peaceful Parents, Happy Siblings. And I looked up coaching kids as they wait for their turn. So what she says is even as children get used to your family rule that the person using the toy decides how long their tool turn will last. So Mm -hmm. there's that. Mm -hmm. Um, They'll still always feel some longing when Another person has a toy they want. You can help mm-hmm. your child by acknowledging their feelings, helping her ask for what she wants, coaching her to make an agreement with the other child about the eventual handoff of the coveted <laughs> item, right? and supporting her while she decides what to do while she waits, mm-hmm. right? So sitting there like Hester, the mom in this says, you know, yelling and crying over it isn't right isn't okay. Every right. time you do this, you're helping your child develop the assertiveness to ask for what she wants as well as impulse control and the ability to delay gratification. Right. It's a lot. I feel like a lot of what we're talking about seems really hands-on and it it is. (laughs) I mean, I think at at the, at first, at least initially, when you start doing this, it is, you're in there and you're in the mix and you're on the floor and you're teaching and coaching Mm -hmm. and guiding, but it's not forever. Mm -mm. I mean, the hope is that you will hand that off to them once they learn the skills and, um, can do it on their own. So, yeah, I really look at it as laying foundation, mm-hmm, right? Sure. I mean, when we, it's a lot of work to pour foundation. It's a lot of work in the beginning. Yeah. yeah. And that's okay because mm-hmm. what you'll find is as they get older and you want it to be easier, it actually right. will because they will have had so much practice in, in mm-hmm. using their tools, which doesn't mean that they use their tools all the time. It doesn't mean that they've mastered, oh, can you hear my dog? <laughs> yeah. So I don't have a toddler anymore. However, I kind of do because I have right. a puppy. And she's so sad that she got left behind. My husband went in the garage. Anyway, I'm going to have to – hold on. I'll edit okay. this part out. Hold on. That's fine. Seriously. Uh, oh, yeah, you have an Aussie, right? I do. Oh, I, I do. love Aussie. Yeah, she's a good girl. She gets kind of she gets bored. Oh, and then sure. she's like, yeah. bah. Anyway. Right. Okay. Okay. Back. Cut and now back. Um Yeah. So the sharing. So the sharing right. is tricky. And, you know, keeping in mind that practice means that we're gonna make lots of mistakes. And so mm-hmm. I know for me, I teach positive discipline and we have a mantra that is mistakes are opportunities to learn. So, Mm -hmm. you know, anytime, you know, when there does, you know, the sharing might work out well for a while, like after you've put this time and effort in and then it might fall apart and you just get to say, wow, it seems like our strategies aren't helpful anymore. Mm -hmm. What should we try new this week? Mm -hmm. Right. And it's not that, oh, that doesn't work. It's just like, just time to tweak. They've grown a little, they've practiced it a little. Mm -hmm. 
let's tweak right. it. Right. Or who knows? I mean, the other thing, don't throw it all out if it's just mm-hmm. like a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, if your kid's overtired or if something is going on, like, a you know, you're on vacation or something in the daily routine that isn't the same. So it doesn't mean to abandon ship. Just maybe, you know, give your kids a little grace for that day and then get back on track. Yeah. Tomorrow. Awesome. Whatever. Yeah. And do the same for yourself because you're going to have oh, yeah. days where you are not on your game. <laughs> right. And, you know, I mm-hmm. mean, resets, redos, you talk about redos. Redos mm-hmm. are for them. They're for us. Yeah. And just because you've had a tough time or a tough week, you know, just return to, to have a little self-care yeah. and return to what's important to you and have right. a reset. Yeah. Make amends if you need to make amends and, and start again. Yeah. Yeah. What a good thing for your kids to see. Yeah. Well, my friend, we've burned through almost 50 minutes. Oh, wow. Listeners, I know, right? It's just like we could go on and on. <laughs> Listeners, I hope that this format was helpful for you. I'm excited to listen back and see if we were <laughs> coherent. You know. <laughs> Otherwise, give us a, re- a redo. Yeah, yeah, you can give us a little feedback, and then we'll do our own redo. Uh, but thank you, thank you, Nicole. For I know yeah. that you've got a crazy day going on, so thank you for being willing to come on and and play You're with welcome. me and and yeah. take a look at these questions. So good stuff. Yay! I appreciate you. All right, we did it. Another almost whole hour together laughing and learning and growing and sharing. I'm hoping that you are taking away loads of tips and ideas from the puzzling out that Nicole and I just did around your questions. So thank you. I love this format. I think I'm going to I'm going to try this again. I'm going to try this again and invite another parent educator that I love on to uh puzzle things out with me. So I promised you at the top of the hour that I was going to tell you about my upcoming offer. The Joyful Courage 10 program is coming back and this time it has a holiday theme. So I don't know about you, but have you ever thought to yourself during the holidays in your mind and maybe even said out loud things like, it's about the giving, not the receiving. Or how far can we stretch the money? Or you should be grateful to spend time with family. Or how am I going to get through four days with my family? Or there's so much to do. Or it's not the season for yelling. Or have you ever thought to yourself during the holiday season, I am the worst parent? Well, if the answer to that is yes. If you have thought any of those things during the holidays, then I just want to say you are not alone. And I created the Joyful Courage 10 Holiday Edition offer for you. It's free. It's 10 days. Each day is a little theme. Um, it's You don't have to do anything. You just got to tune in a couple times or like once a day, right? I'm going to create short meditations that you can use each day to kind of Keep it together, stay grounded, and stay focused on how you intend for the season to feel. How do you want to feel during the holidays? And my goal is then to support you in your actions, feelings, thoughts, and emotions to be in alignment with what you want to create. So if this is interesting to you, if you're thinking like, uh, yeah, sign me up, head over to my website joyfulcourage.com, you'll see on the navigation bar at the top, you'll see hashtag joyfulcourage10. Click on that. That'll take you to uh, the landing page. And as you scroll down and read about how awesome it's going to be, you'll see little green buttons that say register here. Click on that. Register. I'm going to use the WhatsApp text messaging system. So if you're interested in that, give me your shoot me your phone number. I'm going to use email and I'm going to use a Facebook group. So it's going to be awesome and I would love to just pack it with all of us because we all need support during this time of year, right? It's about being together. It's about love. It's about gratitude. It's not about wanting to throttle our kids and yet how many of us just live through the holidays with the idea that, you know, I can't wait for it to be over. 
let's enjoy this season. Let's do it together. Let's enjoy the season together. All right, head on over, joyfulcourge.com slash JC10. We'll get you there and the link will be in the show notes. Thank you again so much for listening into the podcast. Thank you so much for your emails and your Facebook posts and your messages and all the goodness that you send my way, letting me know how much you love the show because you know what? I love creating the show and knowing that you love it too just makes it that much better. So keep it up. And if you have a chance, tell a friend or five or 20. The numbers are growing and this month I'd love to hit 15,000 downloads, but I can only do it with your help. So share the show, let people know why you listen and how to listen and then take their phone and actually subscribe them. (laughs) Some people just need that much support. All right, so uh, big huge love to each and every one of you. Make sure to be drinking lots of water and maybe take a nice relaxing bath or a nice beautiful walk. Take care of yourself so you can take care of your littles and uh, I'll see you next time. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us, 